Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. Nice to be here. Um, today on the show, um, I have uh, one of my good friends who um, is a communication specialist at the JCC. And she's, uh, she's a really, really awesome person uh, to talk to. Aww. And um, yeah, no, I'm just gassing you up over here. Uh, but yeah, but we've, we've talked a little bit about uh, um, uh, some intersectionality, some relations between the black and Jewish communities. I think we're going to get into that a little bit today. I yeah. think so. something tells me we, we so. might talk about that. I feel like we're going to talk about it because I always talk about it. Yeah. Well, Bria Dorsey wonders, everybody. Um, How are you today? I'm doing good today. I'm doing really good. I'm so happy, you know, you're allowing me to come on your show and have a platform and yeah. talk about some things. So it's so far a good day. Good. Good. So, okay. Got a little chilly, though. It was like really warm. It was really nice this morning, but then it like just got really cold and I found my fucking first mosquito bite of 2019 today. Don't even talk to me about mosquito bites like I went to a farm last week and I'm not an outdoorsy girl at yeah. all and I get like actually my eye swell shut because a mosquito oh, bit me like God. right here. Uh, my eye swell shut for a couple days so oh my God. that was fun. That's, but That's horrible. That is horrible. <laughs> better not. Um, yeah, um, yeah, mine's right here in my hand, but um, but I'm just gonna try to forget about that for the next hour. Um, so yeah, um, Bria, I yeah, I, I know we've talked a little bit about like we've gotten coffee before. We've talked a little bit about you know who we are and what we're passionate about. So what we talk about a Mr. Nice Guy, like the theme of the show is love and fear, and I think that um, talking about our communities specifically and how they relate to other communities um, is a really great, it's just a great conversation to have yeah. right now because intersectionality is more important than ever right now. Understanding the oppressions of others, um, you know, the oppressions of different demographics and whatnot, and just being, learning how you can be, how one can be the best ally to, uh, to another group as possible. Um, so that's why like I've, you know, really value you and what you have to say. So. Yeah, you're touching on like some really great points. I guess one issue I've seen growing up all my life in Milwaukee is, everyone knows about it, is the segregation. So every group, whether you're black, whether you're Latino, whether you're Asian, Indian, Jewish, everyone's kind of like in their own bubble and um, Luckily, through my work, I've gotten to communicate and being around a lot of different communities and I come from like a mixed and blended family. Mm -hmm. So just growing up, I was taught to like not judge people, you know, for about like where they come from or what race they are or religion they are. But like growing up, unfortunately, I realized the world isn't like that. It's not that ideal, you know people do judge and people do stereotype and I see a lot of us are fighting the same struggles you know a lot of us are a lot more alike than we think different but we're not communicating we're not talking we're not coming together and organizing and I think it's a huge problem in this city especially um, 
because there's so many things. I mean, I love Milwaukee, but there's a lot of things that need to be done and fixed, especially in the inner city. And I feel like we're not going to have the Milwaukee we want if we don't all come together. And so um, I enjoy working with the Jewish community because not many people know uh, how much they've funded or supported initiatives that, you know, benefit kids and people in the inner city and my people specifically African Americans. Like um, in the early 2000s, um, I went to Head Start, which was like a free preschool program. Yeah. Uh, my mom, she was a young mom. My parents were younger. They didn't have like a bunch of money. And I was able to go to Head Start and that program was funded through the Jewish community. Or like, you know, they have food pantries in the summer, like the JCC, for example, we have our Rainbow Day Camp, where basically um, they let kids from the city, from the inner city, have a fun overnight camp experience for a couple days, you know, they get to play games, they get to run around, they get to not worry about, you know, being outside all night and, you know, not being safe. And they really get to have you know, once in a lifetime experience. Like some kids may never go to camp, you know what I mean? Yeah. Me being an African-American who grew up on the north side from Milwaukee, I know for sure like camping and like paddle boating and archery is just not something like yeah. we did, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't our parents' priority, like, oh yeah, my kid needs to learn how to swim or like, you right. know, shoot a bow and arrow or rock climb. Yeah. And that stuff is, you know, it's, it's just a good chance for the kids to connect with nature, connect with other kids, and you know, like get that support from the counselors that maybe they're missing. Like, there's so much I can talk about, but a big thing, like I know that's missing in this city with the youth is mentorship. Like, so many people, you know, will complain about how bad Milwaukee's getting with the young kids, like stealing cars and mm -hmm. shooting and all these things. But what people need to realize is that no one was born, like no one came into this world wanting to do bad. Right, yeah. They sure. weren't born saying, yeah, like, can I cuss on your show? Mm -hmm. No, okay. Everyone asks you that, but yeah, please <laughs> No do. one was born saying, yeah, I want to be a fuck up. Yeah, I want to go to jail. Yeah, I want to like ride in Stoli. Yeah. Nobody grew up like that, but they were you know, raised in an environment where maybe their parents weren't around or their parents were addicted to drugs or their dad did the same thing or their mom was gang affiliated. Who knows, you know what I mean? And these kids really, they need mentorship and they need consistent guidance and education. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just feel like the only way we'll be able to help these kids in our community and help the youth is by um, different communities using different avenues and coming together to find a solution because at the end of the day like it is no like all black people or white people or Latinos or whatnot like we are all a community mm -hmm. you know what I mean and everything that happens in this community affects everyone yeah. in a small or large way so, so when you say that like um, when we're talking specifically about um, like the mentorship and with the kids that are you know misguided or going down rough paths with you know this or that, do you feel like it's wor it is getting worse or do you feel like it's always been bad and it's do you think or getting do you think it's getting worse or people just know about it more? Um, I'll talk from my personal experience. I know statistically, like 
it is getting worse. I can say when I was younger, it was better. Like, yeah, there were people who misbehaved. Like, you know, I had cousins who were into some stuff, but the crime, it just wasn't like it is now. Like the neighborhood I used to live in, which was like 64th and Congress, I grew up over there. It was a lot of families over there, you know, like I could play outside till the streetlights came on. I could feel safe, you know, like all the neighbors, we all knew each other. And it was just different. I felt like more community, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You didn't hear so much about the issues with like human trafficking we have now right. or like stolen vehicles or people killing and shooting and robbing. It just didn't happen, you know, as often. Yeah. And I don't know what quite changed, you know what I mean? But I would say around, I noticed things start getting significantly worse around maybe like 2012. That's when I, I think, you know, I think honestly, like, I don't think we, we think about it enough. Like, I think social media has a lot to do with it. I think so too. I was just about to get on that. Like, I think uh, social media is in a way, it's kind of like brainwashing and it's this new technology you know what i mean that yeah. humankind we've never experienced something like this on that scale like right. media wise and i feel like it's like the wild west it's like we it's like for example you know when um, america first established its colonies or out west when they set up you know there were no laws there were no rules there were no like bureaucratic way of handling things it was just kind of like a free-for-all and I feel like that's what the internet is because it's so new and there is so much controversy about, you know, privacy and security and freedom of speech mm. and what you can and what you can say. And it's kind of become like just, I don't know, it's like the Wild West. Yeah, that's what you know what I mean. It's an interesting analogy for it. Um, that's what I think of it as. I mean, I've written like essays and like blogs about it um, because social media is wonderful. It's fantastic. It connects you with people from all across the world. Us. Yeah. Us. For example, us, we yeah. met on social media. We did. Um, it allows you to like parlay with like-minded individuals. Right. It allows you to express yourself. It allows you to, for example, like before social media, you know, like for, I found out about like this really cool cafe in Chicago called Three Arts Cafe cool. in Restoration Hardware. Yeah. And I only found out about it because I had a friend who like posted and tagged her yeah. location, yeah. you know, and one of my best friends, I met her over Twitter. So, wow. yeah, so it's kind of crazy. Or like, I have friends on Twitter. Like I had a friend that we met up in Atlanta one time you know just you find people that are like-minded in yeah. so many senses you know i went to spain and i met a friend up with <laughs> i met up with a friend too who um me and her like knew each other over social yeah, media that's wild. so it's crazy you yeah. know how it makes the world so small and that's then, how i first knew of you too because i would see like you know when i saw you went on the um the side-by-side -side trip with hillel um like i saw you were part of that group and i didn't know who you were until i saw you in that in that group and I'm like oh wow like this girl seems like uh, she knows what she's talking about and I want to be friends with her <laughs> thanks um, I try to be good yeah but incredible yeah um so I, that like I man I can't even tell you how many times like I've made a new Facebook friend I've friended someone on Facebook and I see them in real life and I'm like I approach them like 
we're Facebook friends. Just <laughs> so you know, like, and I'm like, I'm like, oh. and I introduce myself, and um, and then our connection, like, you know, goes beyond just the internet, and we actually become friends that. in real life. Yeah, like, I just want to let anyone know who's friends with me on Facebook. If you see me in public, don't be afraid to say hi. I don't same, bite. Same. Yeah, just say hi. Maybe we'll become best friends. Who Dude, knows? Yeah. Like I love that. It's 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 like such a like weird people so feel so like weird about doing that, but I do that all the time. I don't. Like I guess I'm ultra you know, extroverted. Yeah. But right. I just love making connections with people and you know, picking their brain and having good conversation and mm -hmm. just building those bonds. I think relationships are so important. Right. Yeah. And that's why I love doing the work I do yeah. because it's a lot of the work I do and how I do it is built on my relationships I build. You find the love in the world. Yeah. Ways, you know? I do. I try to. I think I kind of see things through rose-colored lens. Mm -hmm. And that is difficult, you know, because I'm always just kind of trying to, like, look past the bad and see yeah. the good in yeah. the situation. Well, and it also creates a lot of fear in the same way where, like, when we talk specifically about things like, um, like uh, violence and crime that occurs in Milwaukee. The way social media might play into that is, what if, you know, something started as a fight over social media between two people? Yeah, which happens. Which happens, yeah, like, um, where one provokes someone else and they start getting into it, they start threatening each other, they start, like, threatening to roll up on them and then it becomes something it becomes something that ends up being like physical, like mm -hmm. in real life, and someone gets hurt, someone gets even killed, like, and um, and then it kind of it it, it kind of has like a ripple effect on its community, and people start pointing fingers, people start getting angry, trying to like assess the situation and figure out like whose fault it is or mm -hmm. what caused it or whatever, like, and. That can make people even angry in a lot of ways, but that's how. That's just an example of like how social media can make things. It can it can instill more fear yeah, and anger in people. It like in a exacerbates the situation. I've seen that a lot. And one thing I don't like always about Facebook, especially being from Milwaukee, I constantly just see people like fighting, arguing, complaining, reposting really negative things that sometimes yeah. aren't even true right. because they're not fact checking or checking it's a credible source yeah. and i feel like it just further like it further you know like divides mm -hmm. the community yeah. and divides people yeah. over fights and things like that and honestly i'm not perfect like i've gotten to social media fights in the past in the past, I'll even be the first to admit, like, I've threatened someone before. I'm like, I'm going to come to your house. Like, where are you at? But that was when I was younger. You know, I've matured right. now. And I just don't engage, thing. you know. Yeah. But I was really about it. Like, back, you know, then I really was, you know. The thing about me is I'm very passionate. I love that about myself. Wait, really? You are? No. <laughs> I don't care about anything. No, I'm very passionate, but in the same way, like, when I was younger, that passion was uncontrolled. So, like, yeah. I get really angry about things and be ready to, like, risk it all to prove a point, you know, or yeah. fight for, like, what I thought was right. But I found a way to channel that in a healthy way, and that's why, you know, I'm doing the work I do and, you know, trying to pursue law school and yeah. stuff like that. 
Um, but I kind of wanted to backtrack to the social media, you know, thing we were talking about and yeah. the influence. One thing I notice is like people on social media, they like to present. It's like a, a, a PR tool for yourself. You're trying to brand yourself in a certain image. And a lot of people in Milwaukee are trying to brand themselves in this specific image. Like the dudes want to look like, you know, like they have money, like they're right. doing whatever, they're trapping. The like, materialism. Yeah, the materialism. Yeah. And then the girls, the same thing. They want to have like, you know, like the Louis Vuitton bag. They want to have like the long ass eyelashes. They want to, you know, like be at all the hottest clubs and like brunch. And, Establishing beauty standards. Yeah. yeah. And all that stuff. And I feel like it actually leads to violence and it leads to crime it leads to things like girls like prostituting themselves or human trafficking out of these strip clubs mm -hmm. in milwaukee it leads to dudes killing somebody else over twenty dollars yeah it leads to those things so we really need to check that materialism one thing that i've learned uh through like traveling through going to israel through going to germany and poland going to the concentration camps and even through my own like personal struggles I've been through is that those material things are so paper thin and at the end yeah. of the day like they can all go like poof it, it can all be taken away from you at the end of the day if you don't have those material goods like what else do you have to offer you mm -hmm. have nothing you have no soul and another thing it's like those material items aren't even to me I don't even enjoy them if I don't have people to share wealth or my material success with yeah. you know I would mm -hmm. rather live an average like middle-class life and have you know wonderful friends like a great family life a husband children and have all my family there with me than like be you know like a millionaire and have all the purses like I could yeah. want and all the cars right. and be alone and be miserable and have no one really like give a shit about me because it's so plastic at that point your life is just plastic because it's like it's like yeah you have all these like you know material goods that are supposed to symbolize wealth but like what's beneath that you know there's like, nothing, nothing beneath it a lot of these people i talk to like i used to go out a lot and i still do like downtown i mean i'll see these girls like they're like all up on these dudes that are trying to act like they have money but they right. really don't yeah. they're spending their parents money or like they're living off credit or something they're trying to like you know be the it girl like be like instagram model mm -hmm. other stuff but when you talk to them there's literally nothing there yeah and then but i'm like what are you going to do when you're 40 or 50 and like you're not as much of a hot girl anymore and you know like you can't go clubbing and yeah. you can't do all that stuff right you know yeah. i don't know i just feel like people have their priorities they're not straight and then the people who do have like money or wealth in the city they spend it on those stupid material items when they could be helping the community when they could be yeah. <laughs> bringing food to the homeless right when they could be you know donating to places like coa or boys and girls club where they can oh, be the ACLU? Yeah. ACLU. I actually just signed up to do that, uh, donating 10 bucks a month. There was a girl on the street in River West, and like mm -hmm. she signed me up to do it. I'm like, why not, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not that much, and it's it's a little contribution I can make to help the greater scope of things, you know? Just think about it. Like, if 
there's about 600,000 people in Milwaukee. Um, you know, I'm not sure how many are adults, but let's just say 300,000 of those people are adults over 18. If each one of us donated $5 a month, you know, five times 300,000, think of how much money that could be mm-hmm. to push money into programs and initiatives. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Instead of wasting money on like some ugly, like tacky Gucci track suit. Right. You know what I mean? That makes you look like, like yeah. a 20, 30 year old clown. I'm saying. You know, like yeah. I just don't get it. Yeah. I mean, no matter how much money I have, like I'm always going to be someone who like shops at Zara, like Gap. I don't care. You know what I mean? Then you're going to go to Goodwill, get myself uh, yeah. some, uh, you know, get some old shirt that fits me. Right, because we wear the clothes. The clothes don't wear us. Right. If you have style, like, period, yeah. like class, it doesn't matter what you wear. Exactly. I believe yeah. I would look good in a garbage bag with, like, glitter on it. I don't care. I don't care I what people yeah, have can, to I can, say. I can't see you wearing the shit out of that. <laughs> I feel like I can wear anything. Yeah. I, I don't care what people say yeah. or think, you know, about how I look because it's about that self-confidence inside. And I think that's another issue. I think a lot of people just don't love themselves. Mm-hmm. And when you don't love yourself, how can you love others and how can you love your community? You right. know what I mean? Yeah. And you see a lot of the people, but I swear the people that post the selfie that says love yourself, or they're usually the ones that are very like are the least genuine about it they are they're screaming like love me they're really yeah. saying like love yourself but then they're saying like like my picture right love yeah me. yeah you exactly know? they're trying they're, it's the the faux like influencer attempt yeah it um, drives me like fucking nuts i didn't even notice when i was at auschwitz check this out like one of the most miserable places in the world tell me why it was people like taking selfies like oh outfits we're not at you know disneyland yeah what (laughs) what the fuck people let's talk about that um so you just got back from auschwitz in poland recently um you went through hello right i went through um the holocaust education resource center and we had a donation as well from the kennedy barnett family that funded it so Hillel, it was through Hillel as well, but also different like organizations, uh, Jewish organizations here in Milwaukee. Sure. Okay. Um, so I guess I'll just leave it to you to describe your experience and your takeaways from experiencing that. Well, first and foremost, Germany was awesome. Like I'll start with the right. good parts. I love Berlin. It's a super international city. Like I went there. And I was expecting to hear a lot of German and feel lost and confused, yeah. but nobody was speaking German. It was all English. Because wow. you have people from every country and continent, you know, there. Yeah. Um, and it was just awesome. The history, the architecture. I got to see the hotel where Michael Jackson, you know, like hung the baby off of the oh, wow. <laughs> blanket. Damn. I, I got to see like literally pop culture history. Wow. Um, and the food was amazing. Poland was really cool too. Um, it was very homogenous though, like 97% Polish white, not even oh, Jewish. Really? Wow. So I kind of felt out of place and uncomfortable there to be honest. but. It was super cheap because they don't use the euro and their economy is 
not the best. So bad for them sucks, but great for me. Sure. <laughs> okay. It was like it was bittersweet though, because it, it was a tough trip, you know. It's almost like a pilgrimage, like you're going to see somewhere this place that I can't say it's sacred, but you've heard about it your whole life, you know, mm -hmm. about the horrors that took place there and before the trip even i was super anxious yeah i was scared to go because i knew that it might change me forever and i think it has going there has really changed me um and we not only went to auschwitz we went to other concentration camp sites we went to the sites of the jewish ghetto yeah. we went to jewish cemeteries that were mm -hmm. completely desecrated by the nazis like some of these jewish cemeteries they used for like dumping grounds they destroyed tombstones yeah. one of the concentration camps we went to another one in poland it's not standing anymore but the grounds are still there um it used to be a jewish cemetery and they destroyed the cemetery to basically imprison the jewish people there and if you know anything about religion you know how sacred death and burial is to any yeah. religion right. so just hearing and witnessing and being in the place where just there was a total disregard for human life i mean it was hard because every place you walk there it has been stained with someone's blood i mean yeah. there's still bullet holes like huge bullet holes this big in some of the buildings like in germany in poland warsaw was the warsaw ghetto and just the city was basically destroyed so there's not much left from that time period but still like the air was thick you know it was really thick you could feel it the people it was very tense and you can just tell there's this like heavy cloud that looms over um going to auschwitz i thought that i knew there's no way you can prepare for it you know it's yeah. one of those things like you can have a million conversations you can debrief you can do whatever you think will help you you're not going to be prepared for it when i first got there like my stomach was turning i could barely eat breakfast and i seriously lasted 15 20 minutes before i broke down like sobbing uncontrollably and what really got me is we were touring the barracks and they literally have a wall like i would say a hundred feet long full of the actual human hair that the nazis cut off of jewish victims wow. and the nazis would use their hair to make textiles with they're using every part oh, of shit. the person you know and Jesus. just seeing like they had the most eerie thing was like this bunch of just piles of shoes people's shoes yeah. their actual shoes seeing people's sacred belongings their luggage with their names on it seeing like the thing that like broke me down seeing the baby clothes like they were murdering babies you know infants they were gassing them and i just i started thinking about you know all the things that are still going on today i started thinking about the people who deny racism and xenophobia I started thinking about the guy that was at UWM with the swastika yeah. and our so-called chancellor, Mark Moan, chalked it up to, well, he was exercising his 
you know, First Amendment right, yeah. freedom of speech, which is not true because in the Constitution, hate and libel is not covered under freedom of speech. It's just not covered. You know what I mean? And I mean, people have this guy on camera too saying hateful things. Yeah. And I don't care what any like conservative person has to say. You know, facts are facts, and I'm in the business of facts. I'm not always in the business of my opinions, but they are universal right. And there are things that are universally wrong. Threatening someone's life, their liberty, their prosperity because of their religion, their race, their origin, their color, their sexuality is unconstitutional. And I feel that this country, in Milwaukee especially, these institutions are inherently racist and bigoted and they don't do everything in their power to protect those groups of people. Yeah. And that's what I was thinking about when I was at Auschwitz. You know, I'm walking through the grounds, like seeing the trenches where the bodies were buried, going in the barracks. I mean, the barracks were so, Auschwitz one wasn't bad, but Auschwitz-Birkenau, it was like, I can imagine being hell on earth. You know what I mean? These people were sleeping in old horse stables in the winter time in Poland with no heat, no plumbing, no water. I mean, these people would go some a year without a bath. Lice, yeah. you know, typhus. People literally hundreds dropping dead every day. And the Nazis systematically engineered this. They said, you know, they literally had like a bureaucratic meeting and said, okay, this is how we're going to exterminate the Jews. We're going to give them 400 calories a day or 800 calories a day. We're going to work them to this maximum amount. We're going to do this. You know what I mean? They they built the gas chambers to handle an estimated amount of people who would die per day and the, you know, the fire ovens and everything. So it was so calculated and so well planned out. And what people don't know about the Holocaust is it was a gradual thing that took place. Right. Jews weren't being deported or Jews weren't put in ghettos in Poland until 1939. Though the Nazis began, uh, Hitler came into power in 1934. Right. So this was like a slow, gradual process. And my issue with Poland, and a lot of Poles will deny their responsibility and say they're the victim, but they did nothing in that, you know, five-year span to fight on behalf of the Jews or to advocate for their Jewish neighbors. Because to be honest, Poland is anti-Semitic. Poland is, I feel, in it's racist. They are very um, isolated and they're very tribalistic. And I think tribalism is the cousin of racism. It's like saying our group is superior, our tribe is better, or we want to keep our group yeah. or our tribe pure. You and then know. nationalism kind of comes into play there too. Nationalism too. Our nation. There's a fine. There is a huge difference, actually, not a fine line between patriotism and nationalism. Yeah. Patriotism is saying I'm proud of my country. I love where I come from. It's great. But you know what? Other countries are great too. I love America because it's unique in this way. But we can all coexist. You know. Nationalism is saying I. We are better than you. We deserve, right, yeah. you know, more than these people. Or we don't want, we don't welcome these people because they're not the same as us. They're yeah. not good enough. That's nationalism. And I think a lot of people get the two confused and they're yeah. nothing alike.
Yeah, that's an important distinction. You know, and um, I got into some heated debates with the Polish tour guides because none of them were Jewish for one. And they were speaking from a Polish point of view and saying that what I was saying was offensive, like questioning Poland's role in the Holocaust. They had a huge role in the Holocaust. Primarily all the Jews who died in the Holocaust died in Poland. Yeah. You know what I mean? And to this day, there aren't, you don't see Orthodox Jews walking around. You, you don't see, you know, like people going to synagogue. Even the Jewish restaurants are not Jewish owned. Wow. So they do it for a, a tourism thing. So my feelings about Poland is I do want Jews to be able to go back there, but I don't think it's a place that they're necessarily welcome. And I don't think that it may happen like they're trying to make it happen. And I don't know why. Why do you want to go back to Poland? I understand like they have roots there and family there, but yeah. the Polish people just aren't ready for that. I mean, me being a black girl, like everyone was staring at me all the time. I felt so uncomfortable. My really close friend on the trip, even she was on high alert, like watching my back because there are instances of hate crimes there where they attack minorities in Poland. Yeah. You know, my Uber driver, straight up, he told me I was like the blackest person he's ever seen, as in darkest. And I'm like, honey, you have no idea. Like, I'm I'm low-key on like the middle of black people. Yeah. I'm like team brown skin. Yeah, you know what right, I mean? Yeah. And, you know, the debate about Bria being dark skin, it's just not even like every, everyone, all my friends, family, they're like, she's brown skin. I'm not dark skin. And what does that matter anyway? You know, yeah, why did he exactly. think that was okay? Because he is from a country that is ignorant to different groups. So being in Auschwitz was hard for me knowing all that, you know, because it's ran by the Polish government too. And me and our my tour guide, we even got into like a little verbal spat because I brought up the fact, I said, how could people literally li live right across the street from Auschwitz and deny they knew what was going on. Like you can smell the you could smell the burning yeah. flesh from miles away. You know, it's just a flat out lie. You know. Wow. That's man. That's damn. I don't know how. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. I don't know how I would be able to like. I mean, like you kind of said it yourself. Like it's seeing something like that is going to change you forever and you're never going to look at the world the same. Um, I don't know how I would emotionally cope with that. I'm just, I'm terrified of hate in a lot of ways. Um, I'm terrified of experiencing, um, experiencing places or, um, even, uh, or just, um, environments that like immense, hate took place in like even like even that can be kind of anxiety it inducing is. and it makes you sort of just like shiver at the idea of like the fact that this went on in this exact spot and i'm standing right here um and like um yeah like and, and we experience that on like a small a smaller scale like when like when you're walking around in your neighborhood and you hear the news about well this crime took place like the yeah. shooting took place right here and you walk right past it and you think to yourself wow like that happened right there and I'm standing right here I walk through here like all the time like what if I was there or like what if you know, what if I ex what if I witnessed that and it it fucks you up you know it traumatizes you in a way like that like 
um, when you're there to experience it, um, like, let alone be a victim of it. Yeah, I, I don't know if I will ever go to the camps. Um, I know that, like, I mean, it's it's a really, it's a strong part of, like, um, learning Jewish history to be, be able to experience that. Yeah. How do you feel, like, the rest of um, the, that your group was, um, like, coping and, and responding to that experience? I can't necessarily speak for their responses, but I can say that my close friend and I, her and I were heavily, deeply affected. Like, even after we came back, I mean, we were depressed afterwards for like a week coming back here. It's hard enough to travel and come back to Milwaukee, but just processing all that. And by the end of the trip, I did feel like emotionally fatigued, you know, just because it was 10 days long and yeah. talking about heavy stuff. But I felt like, uh, I felt like this sense of hopelessness, like a little pessimism, I guess, like, wow, you know, like looking back on the Holocaust, everything that happened, the concentration camps, and now look, we literally have, you know, Donald Trump in office who has said things that honestly remind me of Adolf Hitler. And I'm not being over dramatic or over the top. His rhetoric about immigrants or about, you know, like people who are different and his treatment of them. It's gatewayed. Yeah, yeah, it's gatewayed. Um, so your experience in in Israel and going into the Palestinian territories, mm -hmm. um, I guess, um, yeah, like how how did that broaden your understanding of not only that region, but also, I guess, like the culture there and what's going on out there? So Israel is like always a touchy subject. A lot of, I'm liberal, but I'm comfortable saying that I'm liberal, more moderate leaning, not conservative, but I'm not a pure leftist. I'm not pure anything because I'm objective and I'm about facts and the truth. Yeah. And that's what, you know, will make me a good lawyer one day. I'm not That's concerned. Right. <laughs> I'm not concerned with what all my parties saying how they feel. The thing with Israel is it's a very delicate situation, and you're not going to understand it unless you go there. So That's anyone true. trying to tell me about Israel who hasn't been there or experienced, I, I don't want to hear it. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You know, you 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 just don't know. It's one of those things you have to go and experience. When I went to Israel at first, I um, I like was, you know, not fully comfortable with the things that Israeli government was doing to the Palestinians. Right. You know, I still don't agree with Israel's government. I can't stand Benjamin Netanyahu. Oh yeah, he sucks. You know, he <laughs> sucks. He's a terrible leader and he's a nationalist. But when you go to Israel and you understand the people, you understand it's really two, uh, like, governments that are fighting each other and using their people as collateral. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It really has nothing to do with the people itself. I mean, the Israelis and the Palestinians, the people I talk to, they all want a two-state solution. They all want peace, and that's about it. Mm -hmm. It's the government that is further complicating it, which we see happens a lot even yeah. here. And it's not, you know, all Israelis are going and, like, punting, like, Arab babies and, like, you know, throwing them, and it's not all Palestinians hate Jews and want want to murder them. No, no. It's 
greatly sensationalized. I went to Palestine. I went to Ramallah. It was beautiful. Everyone was, you know, like thriving, happy. I went to the markets. I've heard it's a fun city. It's that was a fun one, city. That was one. I was scared to go. I thought I'd get like, you know, shot or something because how people make it seem on the news like it's a war zone and ISIS. Mm -hmm. It's nothing like that. How, I guess, like, no, so I totally agree with you. Like, I mean, and I had um, a couple friends on the show a couple weeks ago talking about the Israel-Palestine conflict and just how complex it is and just how it's it's a, it's a very, like, um, volatile situation that, you know, you can't really, like, it's, it's, it's hard to, I mean, it's something that people are very emotionally connected to, you know, and it's something that people are, like, you don't really necessarily know how someone will respond when you present your viewpoint because I've found most people don't ever have like the same exact view on it. I agree largely with you that it is seriously like heinous what the Israel government's doing in Palestine and, and how they brutalized a lot of Palestinian protesters and absolutely. Yeah. And like, I mean, that being said, though, like, the Palestinian government is not held count accountable enough. They're ever. not. Like, no. Hamas and, and the PLO are fucking, like, they're no better than the Israeli government. They're exploitative of their own citizens, and they have, they have uh, demonstrated a lot of anti-Semitic They are highly anti-Semitic. What people don't know about Hamas is Hamas was democratically elected because yeah. the PLO is so corrupt. Yeah. So Hamas was elected. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just a delicate situation. I would advise anyone who's interested in the conflict just like to go. study <laughs> both sides, go um, and try to take your emotion out of it and not take the humanity out of the situation, but take your personal feelings out of it. Your personal feelings should unless you're a Palestinian or Israeli your personal feelings shouldn't, you know, affect it. You have to look at it objectively. And objectively, I saw two corrupt governments mm -hmm. using their people as pawns. Nationalist and, yeah, governments. Two nationalist governments fighting each other and their people are suffering for it. That's yeah, what exactly. That's and what happens. Yeah. People don't understand. Israel originally was created for a, a good reason. I mean, it was the only place that Jews were really... It was like a refuge, you know what I mean? Because even after the Holocaust, there were these pogroms, which are like people in the village come together and kill Jews. There were pogroms in, you know, Poland and all over Europe where Jews just weren't even welcome after the Holocaust. So the Jewish people went there and tried to resettle. You know, I don't think anyone is the, are, you know, the chosen people are, are entitled to any piece of land. But I do understand that it was a refugee crisis essentially no one wanted Jews yeah. and they needed somewhere safe to go so I want people to keep that in mind too of why Israel was created yeah and, and I want people to know that you can be Jewish and not support Israel and you can support Israel and not be Jewish or vice versa so you know just because someone's Jewish don't assume you know their views on right it. yeah exactly because like my, my thing is like I have Israeli friends I have Palestinian friends I have people like, and their emotions are valid because mm -hmm. I mean it's it's a very systemic cultural, um, like uh, 
it's a systemic and cultural way of life right. to understand like their situation from the way they're educated. I'm not going to tell a Palestinian or you know like a Israeli, you know, how to feel because that's right. like some like like a white be if I told you to how to how feel as yeah, a black woman in America. Exactly. Yeah. So, where do you see like at least in our own culture like how are what occurred in Nazi Germany? Like, how is that still, um, in your eyes, still, like, you know, mirrored or reflected in our culture? I mean, look at the nationalism now. Trump's make America great again. What does he mean? Uh, America without immigrants? In America where, you know, black people couldn't go to the same school as white people? When was this America so great? Another thing is the, the migrant crisis. Just because they're not Auschwitz or Dachau does not mean they don't mimic concentration camps. Mm -hmm. The fact that we have, you know, white nationalists, like militia guys going to the border and killing migrants trying to cross the border, and this is like, you know, a thing. real, really a thing. Yeah. You know, the fact that it's so hard to get into this country, the fact that we're not trying to do something to help refugees you know, come here legally or get amnesty or work with other countries. The fact that they're trying to like get rid of the United Nations, the fact that Donald Trump rubs elbows with totalitarian dictators like Kim Jong-un, I don't care if he's nuclear deal, blah, 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 it's, it's BS. The fact that like he's Putin's like, you know, like they'll have some weird like bromance or whatever. Yeah. I mean, all of it, you know, after Trump was elected, the rise in hate crimes spiked because these people now feel like they have a platform and a voice. And all these gradual little, like, you know, systematic changes, like cutting off women's access to, like, you know, abortion or, you know, family planning banning services. Banning trans people from the military. Banning trans people. These are all, like, Hitler didn't start out throwing people in concentration camps. He started with saying, Oh, you know, Jewish kids can't go to German schools. Or, you know, like, um, he started a program where they were euthanizing disabled people. No one really cared, you know. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, gay people and Jews have to wear, like, a triangle or a Star David. Oh, now you guys have to go to ghettos. Oh, but, now you guys go to concentration camp. Oh, now we kill you. And they were sterilizing black people in in uh, the region too so that like their version of like the Aryan race wouldn't be like disrupted um. yeah so um, you know all those things are similar and I think the best way for us to combat that is to one be aware and two like I said to put aside some of our differences and try to come together as a community the only way we're going to fight this is if we're all supporting one another in all of our individual struggles and fight, yeah. you know, right. we have to, otherwise, who knows what this country could be or what this world could be in 10 years. It is so, so important to, you know, create allies with one another and speak up. If you see something happening, speak up, you know, get involved in local government or politics, protest, you know. Sign petitions, go to city hall meetings, vote in your local elections, vote in national elections. You know, um, and us as a youth, like the 20-somethings and millennials, we need to start taking more social responsibility. I'm tired of like everyone concerned about 
the, the wrong things. We need to be organizing. We need to not just be on, you know, Facebook, like complaining, you know. Worrying about everything we talked about at the beginning of this episode. Like. Yeah, or going against <laughs> each other, like blame, you're not doing enough, you're not doing enough. Right. None of us are doing enough because we're still having issues and that's the fact. Even I'm not doing enough. We're still talking about what the issues are. We haven't universally agreed on that. We and that's what's, that's what's fucked. We haven't even made a universal consensus over what the real issues are to address. That is what's so fucked and that's also what's preventing a lot of progress. Yeah, and actually like I've been thinking I want to do more so for the city. So I've been thinking of actually like trying to run for some type of city office, whether oh, well, it's city yeah. council or something. That's something I'll be, you know, visiting when that time comes in the next year or two. But the only way that we are going to take our country back and take it in a better direction is if us, the, you know, the this group, we take control of things. We speak up. We say something. You know what I mean? Yeah. We, I mean, there, there's so much that we can do, small or large, donating to, you know, your favorite politicians campaign donating five bucks a month yeah. or volunteering or going to the tent city underneath the bridge and handing out water bottles and wipes my dad did that the other day or you know like mentoring at the boys and girls club or you know like joining some type of city advisory board or council it's so important yeah. we can you know though it's hard sometimes i feel pessimistic about it i know like I want to make change and I know there's other people we all just need to come together you know and organize yeah so um, for the sake of time my last question will be so you, I feel like in a lot of ways you have demonstrated and, and answered this question um, like if if you were asking me like I'd say that you know you've demonstrated a lot of great ally, allyship for the Jewish community, understanding their history, their plight, their struggles, like acknowledging that anti-Semitism is a very real problem, still prevalent in mm -hmm. in contemporary society, and also identifying what an, an anti-Semitic trope looks like versus what could simply be like a criticism of Israel, which a lot mm -hmm. of people like to. They like to conflate those. They like to blur them. Yeah, you know right. I mean? But criticism of Israel is legitimate. It's okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Anti-Semitism. But so it, you're right. But so is criticism of America. Like, yeah, that's okay. Too. A lot of the institutionalized problems in Israel are reflected in American society too. Um, We're no better. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So that all being said, how can I, as a white cishet Jewish male, be the how can I best um, I guess uh, demonstrate my allyship to you as a black woman in Milwaukee me as a black woman what I would like to see from more people is you know like giving us a platform to speak which you do um, listening to us and educating people about our issues defending us when people attack us mm -hmm. like you've done before even online you know i've said something people have attacked me and you've stuck up for me um advocating for us even if it's sharing a post you know yeah. um working in our communities you know like i said volunteering at the boys and girls club or volunteering at the jcc we have a food pantry you know yeah. where we work with the community in milwaukee um, getting out in our communities and trying to understand where we're coming from 
and educating yourself too. That is the biggest thing yeah. I think all allies can do. Educate yourself on the black community, on our plight, on our struggle, on our history in America, on our history in Milwaukee, and talk to us, ask us questions, you know. But those are the things I think that you can do to be the best ally. Of course, that's wonderful. Um, and it's also perfectly clear too. Um, so when it comes to something like uh, the police, like uh, and on the topic of like police brutality and like um, and you know the racial disparities in and law and 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 everything like that. So if someone is either a cop or has someone in their family who's a cop and they are struggling to find like where they stand on like this issue. How would you say, like, what would you say to somebody who, like, you know, doesn't want to be, like, one of those, like, as you say, a bad cop or doesn't want to, you know, contribute to the systemic oppression against people of color, you know, as a result of the law enforcement? What would, I guess, what would you say? I'll tell you. It's very simple. It's like how I love America, but I criticize it. If you love something enough, you want it to be better, right? It's like when you have a kid you are going to push your child or your friend or whoever to be better even if it hurts them even if they don't want to hear what you have to say i think cops need to start speaking you know truthfully about what's going on and stop defending their people who brutalize and abuse their power that's how they can be an ally saying yes this happens i acknowledge it yes me as a police officer i don't agree with this yes i'm going to do something to make sure at least when i'm around this doesn't happen I'm going to get involved with the communities I serve. Mm -hmm. The only time black people see cops is when they're like beating us up or harassing us or pulling us over. I never see a cop just strolling around the neighborhood, hey, how are you? Asking the kids questions, yeah. play, you know, like getting to know the people. Yeah, that's so true. I saw a video today of a cop that literally pulled a gun on a black woman and a like a baby yeah because like her son stole like a 99 cent doll yeah i saw it fucking crazy yeah um all right bria we had a real, really wonderful talk didn't we we did got into some we deep stuff we did really get into, deep. but hey we can still smile yeah. and think about just all the i feel like a great discourse we had so bria what keeps you up at night um, my hunger. <laughs> True. Yeah. Oh I usually want like pizza or Oreos at night. Oh my god! I get some. I get the. I get into the chips. Maybe you want it like a, a deeper answer, but that's no, the truth. that's perfectly fine. <laughs> like I honestly like no. I, I get hungry at night too. Um, what puts you to sleep? Wildlife documentaries. Oh my god! Planet Earth. That's my shit. <laughs> Thank you for being on the show. Thank you. Yes. Um, support the communities that are making the effort to support you. Do your research on the plight and oppressions of others. Um, even if it's not what you want to hear, like, even if like you're being told that like you can do better and you're not doing enough, don't take it. Don't take it. Don't take it personally. Just think about what you can do. Ask, what can I do? Exactly. That's all. Right. Which I try. Everyone should stop taking a lot of things so personally. Yeah, exactly. It's much bigger. It's, not that it's bigger than all it's, of us. It's bigger than, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time. <laughs>
Mr. Nice Guy.